0: back, College Basketball Central podcast into June. It is hot across the country. Brad said it was like 100 in uh, in Old Mass in Rhode Island today. Uh, it's like the 90s all weekend here in uh, here in Evanston. It's grad weekend for 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 Kevin. Kevin, yeah, I'm, I'm graduating from college in like five days. Brad, any any advice for the uh, for for life as a actual adult? I mean, double down on uh, TV. There's double down. There's
1: nothing better than having a, a show or a game to look forward to. The people that come home and they just scroll through TikTok for an hour, those are the miserable people. And and <laughs> make sure that your commute's not very far. Because I had, I had two weeks where I still lived at my parents' house in Rhode Island after graduation, working in Massachusetts. And once I moved to Massachusetts, like, it was like a utopia <laughs>
0: compared to driving
1: 45
0: minutes. So. <laughs> we we have see working on the working on the job thing. Hopefully, we'll have some news soon. Working on it, as I said. Uh, are you a TikTok guy? Did I hear no. that? No, 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 no TikTok. TikTok you don't even watch TikTok?
1: No, when the people are doing TikTok, I'm pounding away at TV
0: shows. I'm, I'm a big TikTok guy. I think you it like late at night. I love love TikTok. But anyway, we got a lot to get to uh, on, on the show today. Um, Coach K. How about that? We get some NBA playoff amateur takes from us, and of course, lots of transfers, lots of draft decisions, some big stuff coming out with the combine and the G League, League camp, uh, where we'll get some clarity on, on draft decisions. It's huge, so it's gonna be a busy show. And of course, pbu 19 we mentioned it last week, but like the rosters were coming soon. We alluded a lot to the U.S. roster, and then it dropped right as we released podcasts. So That was great. But uh, no, we're we're excited. It should be a good, good 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 summer of basketball. It's gonna be a good good summer generally. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about all the stuff that we're, we're working on. Uh, we are excited. We're going to have a, going to be, there's gonna be a poker tournament working on with in partnership with ignition, be free for all of you. Uh, lots of prizes, thousands of dollars of prizes to play against me. It's gonna be fantastic. We're trying to lock it in right now, working on it as we speak should have some official word, hopefully next week. That is some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So look forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. Of course, all the basketball takes because we're gonna we're gonna go crazy with with FIBA with uh, AAU stuff. I'm trying to get on the road this summer, Brad. it to like I want to go to Peach Jam. We'll see if I go to Peach Jam. If nothing else. There's a couple in Indianapolis. Uh, that should be big time. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I think I think recruiting is gonna be an entertaining part of the summer, especially as teams kind of figure out who they want to recruit. In. So one person who will not be on the road recruiting um, this summer is Coach K. Coach K announces he is retiring after this coming season. Look, there'd been buzz about this, Brad. Um really for the last couple weeks, months like the coach K was heading towards the end of the line. Um still just seeing that come across your feed is still like holy cow. This like coach K is retiring. What what is going on?
1: See, I was more surprised by the news from the same day that Brad Stevens is now the GM. Yes. That was like because, you know, there, there have been a few instances, at least in my recent memory, of guys who are coach and GM, right? Yes. So Doc Rivers on the Clippers, Stan Van on Detroit, I believe Popovich on the Spurs, um, maybe even Pat Riley on the Heat, too. But, but, you know, only a few of those. But I can't think of a single one where they just went from coach to GM. That's just absurd.
0: But well, anyway. it's funny because that morning, like, when Brad Stevens got, got announced as GM, the, the the common narrative was, like, holy cow, like, maybe he'll actually come back and coach in college, and maybe that's Duke. And then all of a sudden, Coach K is retiring, like, an hour later. It was insane.
1: That's so soft by by Duke to just just promote the assistant. I mean, we ragged on North Carolina for doing it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Duke is recruiting at an unbelievably high level. I think they may have even edged Kentucky in terms of how well that they've been recruiting high school players.
0: Yes, And, I think now,
1: I- and now that it's going next man up, that's a very disappointing for the carousel.
0: So let's kind of break it down from a few few lenses, right? Like first off, Brad, how surprised were you about this, right? I wasn't I wasn't stunned. I was stunned that it ha- like that I saw it, but I wasn't like, like, the fact that he's done after this year, like, makes all the sense in the world. They have a very good team. They should be competitive for, you know, have a chance to be for a title. He'll get his retirement tour, which I think, like, it was always, like, his style to have a retirement tour. He could say he didn't want one, whatever, but, look, he wanted one. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't stunned.
1: No, I, I wasn't surprised because they were joking about it on uh, Titus and Tate about a month earlier about how, about how Coach K was going to announced his retirement for the end of the year, take his tour, and he wanted to make sure he got it out there uh, before, like, Bayheimer or any, any of the other old coaches announced it. And I think he wanted to make sure that, you know, came a little bit after Roy's announcement, and Roy's just up and leaving right away. He, he's going for the full tour. He should have a good team this year. I mean, what, five five stars on this team, a couple nice veterans mixed in. Mixed in, they have a lot of size. They got some scoring. Um, if you know Roach and Moore can take a step, they'll be right up there with that, with everyone at the top of the league, uh, top of the
0: whole country. Yeah, um, I mean their their top seven just on paper is absurd. Their top seven of Jeremy Roach, Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, Paolo Benchero, Mark Williams, Theo John, and Wendell Moore is absurd.
1: I mean Theo John's your backup center. He's legit good, you know, but. So, see, so, so Duke's a in a good spot for, for now. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens when uh, when uh, Shire takes over. But this is like an enormous shoes to fill. And I saw somebody tweeted. I'm sorry, I don't remember who. But imagine if Wojo just won a couple games in February, how a different his his life would be, you know? <laughs> but
0: well, uh, so see, I wanted to get into the, the the search right because I was asked a bunch by people. I did like some radio shows and podcasts after Coach K like officially announced it, and I was asked, like, you know, are you surprised that Shire's the guy? And I said, if you told me he was retiring on May first, I would not have been at all surprised. But if you told me on June first of twenty, you know, twenty eighteen that shire be the guy, I'd be i stunned. But the the bottom line is that there just hasn't been anyone remotely from the Duke tree who's been successful enough and would take the job, right? Like the only person with Duke ties that you sit there and say, like he would, you know, like, he he's good. He, he fits the bill. Like, like record wise is Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder is not taking the Duke job, right? So, so you work your way down and it was reported that Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amaker were the two, you know, also rands for, for the job. They were probably the two second most qualified candidates, right? But Amaker was, you know, A failure at the high major level certainly not a a smashing success um you know i would say what the least you know the least successful michigan coach in an you know in in an era obviously michigan is a a different level of job but like steve fisher won crazy there uh didn't but then amaker was solid but never you know never made the tournament um you know, Beeline comes in, they're they're great again, right? If Reeder was great, like, this is a historically excellent program. Amaker did not do a great job at, at Michigan. So to then hire him off of the Harvard stuff, which is good but not amazing, that wouldn't have made sense. And Dawkins, look, like, we saw the Stanford thing. It wasn't good enough. Now, to, to do it at, at Duke, like, no way. I mean, you, again, UCF, he did a nice job with the taco team. That was good. But you can't hire a guy who is – one game over five hundred last year. Be the head coach, too. Chris Collins is a failure. Wojo is a failure. You know, Bobby Hurley's not quite as tied in. He's not a failure, but he's not great. Um, Capel is trending towards failure. There just isn't another guy. If you were going to stay in the Duke family, and it was always inevitable that you were going to be in the Duke family here, so like it, it it has to be Shire. And look, Shire has an unbelievable reputation in the, in the industry. Um, there are guys who have reputations like that guy's. That guy's great, and there are guys who are like, eh, right? Like, and Shire Shire has as strong a reputation as there is. He recruits, like, he recruited Zion Williamson. He's recruited, you know, several of these these true, you know, top tier recruits um, that, that Duke has had recently. He's really sharp. You know, he recruited Benchero, Griffin, and Keels in this class. Jalen Johnson last class. DJ Stewart last class. Uh, Matt Hurt, like the list goes on and on. Cam Reddish, like those are all his. Like the, a lot of these dudes have been Shire, 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 Shire. So, like from that perspective, it it should be it should be seamless. And he's a really smart basketball guy, right? Like we we know this to be true. We also know like Duke has historically in the last ten years not run a ton because they're playing all these young guys. I think I think Shire's biggest challenge will be. You know what is Duke post K? Is Duke a one and done destination? Is there still such a thing as a one and done destination post? You know, with the with the changes to you know the NBA and the G League team, uh, the G League Ignite team, and then there's overtime elite, and there's the ability to go to pro earlier. Like, is that a thing? Are they gonna have to go transfer? Like, I think Shire's a smart enough guy, but like, no, it's it's a risk. It's just like it's it's as big a risk as Hubert. It it's it's very comparable in, in that. I think the only argument for for why Shire over Hubert is Shire. like There were there were better options for Carolina with West Miller than there was with Duke. Crazy enough. No no, um, no no no
1: no no. Because that's kind of putting yourself into the Duke box of thinking, similar to the Butler box of thinking, right? Where it's
0: we can only hire someone with a tie. I mean, you do. You can hire anyone. Correct, but you that was never going to happen. Just like North Carolina was never going to hire, you know, outside the family. After the legend, it's going to be the end of the family hire, mostly because the, the former coach wants it and runs the show. And then if it fails, it fails, and you fire him, and you hire a new guy, and you can hire whoever you want because it's a great job. And if not, it, 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 and, and, and if it works, great. You're in great shape, right? But if you're, I'm saying, if you had to go in the family for either job, Wes Miller was more qualified than was more qualified for Carolina than any of the Duke guys were for Duke, in my opinion.
1: I mean, there's also the thing with with a North Carolina or a Duke job where the brand is so strong that it's going to be easier to have success there, right? It's probably easier to recruit at Duke as as a new guy than it is to recruit at. Pitt or Clemson or Wake Forest or one of these schools, right. even not, without Coach K being in the
0: mix. So yeah, and I tweeted that like, what would like what like I was thinking if they were, like, what would Chris Collins do at Duke, right? Like he probably would not recruit what John Shire has done, but like he would recruit good players. <laughs> they would be good, like they wouldn't be great. They would not live up to expectations because I know Chris Collins is not a very good coach, but like. Yeah, because Chris Collins has failed at Northwestern does not mean he would be an abject disaster at Duke, right? Like, that's not how it yeah. works. Duke can, Duke is good enough as itself that uh, you can figure it out. But no, I mean, I think of the choices that they were going to choose from, Shire's the best choice. It's just more an indictment on the op- on, on the choices. And again, like we've said in the past, the Nate Oates, the Chris Holtman, you know, that tier of coach who is below the Mark Jay Wright, who probably wouldn't take any job. The Eric Musselman, like those guys, like it, it would be in the No. group, the Chris Holman group. Those are the guys that, in our opinion, you should be going after, right, and rolling dice. But,
1: and then just for the whole future college basketball thing.
0: Yeah, I want to. I mean, me.
1: people. still to, just, just to understand, like, I'm not going to watch Providence anymore because Duke lost its coach. Like that doesn't make any sense. And it is. from from an, a immediate standpoint. This is content gold. You know, we just did 10 minutes on it. People are going to be talking about it all, all, all year long, how Hubert Davis is doing uh, succeeding Roy Williams, you know, how uh, Duke's going to look next year with Shire instead of Kay. I mean, we're going to get that ad,
0: ad nauseum for, like, what, the next five years at least? Well, so, so let's frame it this way, right? The casuals versus the people who care about college basketball. Right? People who care about college basketball are not going to stop caring about college basketball. But I do think there is a legit concern. Like, people watched Duke Carolina this past year and the year before, even though Duke and Carolina weren't very good in either either year. I mean, Duke was decent two years ago. But, like, people watched that game because partially because of Kay and Roy, right? And again, if Duke and Carolina are top 10 teams, great. Like no problem. it won't be it, it won't be an issue, right? People will watch because Duke and Carolina are Duke and Carolina. But Duke Carolina have a poll because of Kay and Roy that you know won't, there will not be that poll if it's John Shire, right? John Shire and Hubert Davis won't have that poll at least yet, right? Like it's gonna take a while for, Which for is that. all the more reason for them to not have just gone next man up. True. But but like I but I think that's the point right. Like, people would turn on Duke even if Duke was struggling because Duke because Duke was K right. And now it's like oh well it used to be right like like people people don't care that much about Indiana like people care about Indiana because it was it was a you know formerly elite program, but it's, no one's like oh man I gotta watch Indiana because Archie Miller like Archie Miller's the coach right like no one cares right. So I think that's the concern again. I don't think it'll be a problem, but I do think like this next wave of... I mean, right, like, Tony Bennett is a star. People know Tony Bennett. People know Jay Wright. People know Mark Few. I think people, like, are starting to know Chris Beard. But, like, there needs to be... We need the Nate Oates and the Eric Musselmans and the Chris Holtmans and the Juwan Howards to become, you know, these household names, these guys that people really care about. And, I mean, honestly, we need Hubert and and Shire because those dudes are both incredibly well-spoken... They're great representatives of their alma maters. They're both, you know, were very successful when they were at their alma maters. You know, particularly Shire um, was, you know, over 2,000-point scorer, led him to a national title as a senior. You know, Hubert averaged 20 points a game in his senior season playing for Dean Smith. So, like, both of them have name recognition in that realm. Dean did... T- or uh, Hubert did TV. So, like... But we need those guys to be stars because the K Roy, those guys were larger than life, and that will be missed. But no, I mean, it was just everyone had to write the right that college basketballs in trouble column because that's what we do, right? That's that's the industry. But I think I think the smarter column was the one that uh, Ross Dellinger from SI wrote about, like the just general like burnout in college athletics right now from coaches, athletic directors, etc. Um, and I think it's like a real a real problem and. I think the next two years are not going to make that any easier with name, image, and likeness, with kind of post pandemic recovery, et cetera. But, you know, we need to make sure that these coaches feel appreciated, right? Because at the end of the day, they are as important to the college basketball product and the college basketball brand as any player. So that's all I have on Duke. I mean, I think, again, it's like a big, big shrug with Shire. Let's see how it goes. I like him in theory. But I also know that it's a whole heck of a big risk. So, where to next? Do, do we need to share some like very amateur NBA takes? Because I feel like we kind of do for like ten. Minutes. Why? Why are we very amateur? Well, we're we're amateur NBA fans. We don't watch
1: that much. I I listen to. At least two NBA podcasts a week. Wow, look at you. Through the college
0: basketball season. No, I mean it's been fun. I think I think the playoffs have been really entertaining. Um just kinda like last year. Um I I, I become like a Hawks guy. I was a Knicks fan because I I'm from New York and I wanted you know, this team was fun. But now I'm officially just a Kevin Herter fan. He's from upstate New York, and Kevin Herter is currently balling as we speak. 20 points on eight for eight shooting but he has been i I think the most entertaining thing for me in watching the nba playoff beyond just like the high level play and the the offenses and whatever is watching how guys have changed and developed since college and watching kevin herter has been one of the really entertaining ones uh of late right like he has been so much fun matisse steibel has been really fun to watch defensively um DeAndre Ayton for the Suns would be another guy, and Cam Johnson too. He's become a better NBA player than I expected he would be. Um, Terrence Mann balled out. Like I love watching these like former college stars, especially like the second round picks, like Monty Morris and Terrence Mann, that turn into these you know truly really impactful NBA players.
1: I mean, Jalen Brunson didn't have a good series, but he was uh, certainly in that category as well. I mean, Monte Morris. With all Denver's injuries, is like their third best player right now, probably fourth best player. But uh, you with the Hawks, I think was me kind of with the Suns. I just I just love how that team team came together. About how Aiton was like this overlooked number one pick where everyone's talking Trey and Luca, but he's out there at, at twenty and ten last night. I'm a big Jay Crowder guy. You know, kind, kind of like what what you were saying with the second round picks, he was a, a long time second round pick that just like every team is like, you know what? I think we need Jay Crowder to be our fifth or sixth best player. I said this like six It'd days ago
0: chatting yeah. with my, my roommate. I was like, how many teams is Jay Crowder? Enough?
1: Insane. But they're all good. It's just like every good team is like, we just want to round out this great roster with Jay Crowder. <laughs> because Mikhail Bridges is balling out at the three. That gives him two really nice wing defenders, three and four. Then you got Chris Paul and David Booker and Cameron Payne. Don't sleep on the third-headed monster of that back. And then Cameron Payne is <laughs> one of like the best scoring bench guards in the NBA. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's got like these shifty drives. He can scoop. He he has a really weird-looking three-point shot where he's kind of askew, um, but it's going down. I think I think Phoenix is missing maybe like one more reliable bench player. Because Payne's been reliable. Sarich has not been reliable. That's a serious fall from Grace. Jalen Smith doesn't give them anything. That was you know, at the time everyone was yelling for them to take Halliburton. Um, Javon Carter was a rotation guy last year, not so much this year. So they're so they have Kim Cam Johnson off the bench, who was a starter last year, but Crowder replaced him. Yeah, Cam Johnson and Payne and then kind of the, the the big who is hot, you know, they could use one more guy. Uh, Torrey Craig had a good game Torrey last Torrey Craig, night, baby. But,
0: yeah, don't see my Torrey Craig. No, the Suns are fun. I said this on another – I said this on, like, our my my radio show that I have on our Northwestern radio station. But, like, it is kind of, like, maddening to watch the Suns, who've just generally been really poorly managed for the last 10 years, just randomly be good. And, again, like, they, they've, they've drafted so badly, right? Like, like, you list through who the Suns have drafted over the years – and it is ugly. Like Alex Len, terrible pick, right? Like uh, they, Josh Jackson, awful. Uh, it was the
1: one draft where they had Marcus, Chris, and Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender, yep. That was the awful. same same draft. Two lottery picks.
0: Tyler you know, Bennett, the
1: first round pick for them, between Booker, Aiton, um, Mikhail Bridges, and. Cam Johnson, they've they hit enough,
0: you know. Well, they've had enough draft picks that eventually... Right. They All really just hit Booker and Aiden. Aiden was the number one pick, can't miss. But he's still the third best player in the draft. And then Mikhail Bridges was like, can't miss too. And he's turned into a good player. Like well, Jalen Smith, like you're talking about like Halliburton. Like if they drafted Halliburton, if they drafted... Like the number of guys that, that they missed on to draft Jalen Smith... Who were productive NBA players this year? Like the guys who got drafted behind him, Halliburton, uh, Isaiah Stewart was a good rotation player for uh, the Pistons this season. Uh, Sadiq Bay was excellent. Uh, Tyrese Maxey had a good year. Uh, Quickly, right? Like again, I'm not going to draft those guys at ten. A lot of those guys, Desmond Bain, like those weren't tenth overall picks. But like neither was James Watt, and neither, neither was a uh, neither was Jalen Smith. Excuse me, like Halliburton. Changes this team, so. Yeah, but Smith,
1: Smith will be okay. He'll be a fine backup center. Right,
0: uh, but that's not good value not at 10.
1: No, nah. but, you know, you, you were saying that the Suns missed on a lot of picks, but, you know, that that Bridges trade was incredible, giving up that heat pick and Zaire Smith to get Mikhail Bridges on, on draft night. But then yes, you, is you look at, you, you know, you're saying squandering picks. I mean, Philadelphia did the same thing, and now they're, Number one in the East, right? They squandered Nelson Noel, Jaleel Okafor, you yeah. know, Markel Fultz. True.
0: But they also drafted Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid.
1: And the Suns drafted Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. Fair and I don't
0: know, a little frustrating. But anyway, I think the Suns are fun. The Nuggets I mean, that, this thing is like every team in this playoffs is like entertaining. I'm just sad that Luke is out. Luke is incredible. I still I still laugh every single time I see the Rashad Phillips tweet where he's like, "Luca would be a basic player in college and average ten points and three assists in college basketball." That was one of the all time all time bad takes on this app.
1: And then and then for the people who now say, "Oh no, you can't talk about the ratings." It's, it, you know, oh oh no, a- anyone arguing about the ratings? You don't care about basketball, blah blah blah. I don't see how it can be bad. To want your favorite sport to do well, and ratings is how you do well. Social media engagement is not how you do well, right? It, it's the, the people watching those uh, commercials on TNT. So, um, true. I, I get that most of the discussions around the ratings aren't done with a whole lot of factual information or a lot of in, in, informed calls or anything. But right, it's
0: not about it's not it's not actually about like understanding TV. It's like Clay Travis hopping on the internet, and being like, hey. Let's, uh, right. let uh, it's it's all because they kneel for the anthem, you know.
1: The, the ratings are important, and yes, I, you know, you know, kind of like what you were saying with, you know, you you want to talk about what Duke was going to do in terms of what they would do realistically, you know, kind of like when people say, like, oh, oh, why do you applaud a GM for getting under the luxury tax? Because like that's that's how the game is played, right? Like if you're being the GM and you get under under the luxury tax, you know, that's a good move. So um, it's not, not bad to talk about things
0: realistically, I don't think, but... Fair enough. Any, uh, any, any final NBA hot takes before we get to the transfer portal and the movement of last week?
1: Transfer portal, I think we have another bad get. Oh, boy. Or maybe it's a good get, but bad decision. I, I've been kind of uh, merging those together in my, in my brain, but Kadeem Sai going to Wake Forest... When they got Dallas Walton
0: and Tarek Ingram's coming off injury. Well, he's coming off COVID. He was shut down for the whole year because of COVID. He got COVID and then I, I thought he broke his leg. I I was like pretty sure it was a COVID thing. I think he redshirted another year. Let's
1: I thought see. it was one, one game he played and then he. He's out it.
0: for the year as he recovers from COVID nineteen. Is the oh, I... and they had a big COVID outbreak.
1: Well, oh, I thought it was a leg thing.
0: So maybe so maybe there's some concern with him coming back. He also like really hasn't done a lot. Like he's played he had a, well he medically redshirted 1920. That might be a like thing. So maybe you're maybe you're right on with I that. that. COVID. But yeah, he played two games. One one of them was against Delaware State. He put up 19 points and on on seven of seven shooting against like one of the worst teams in the country. And then they played Longwood and he had three points. So like there's definitely no guarantee that. Uh, that our buddy Tariq Ingram is actually good. And Kadeem Sai is, like, a steady backup center for Dallas Walton. I also think, theoretically, you might be able to play, like, a little bit of Dallas Walton at the four because he could shoot. So, I don't I don't hate it considering, like, Kadim Sai was looking at, like, East Carolina, which is a completely irrelevant. How about Clemson? Clemson needs a backup five. Texas yeah, needs somewhere. a backup five. Clemson needs a five. Totally, yeah.
1: Well, they have a PJ Hall, and then they got Ben Middlebrooks, who was a twenty twenty two. They
0: got a reclass up, but and they, with- I mean, they could also play Ben. Um, they also play Nas Bohan as a small ball five, like Amir Amir uh, Sims mold. He's like kind of he Amir like Amir Sims is like I mean, Nas Bohan is like six seven instead of like the six nine Amir Sims is, but like they're a similar player. Um, so I think that could be a, a possibility, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That, I mean, P.J. Hall is even, like, kind of like a four, so. It should be, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't I don't, have any Kadeem Sai, like, hot takes. I think Kadeem Sai is, like, the epitome of fine as a high major center. If he's your starter and playing 25 minutes a game, you're probably not very good. If he's your backup, why not? You know, he's 6'10". He blocks shots at, like, an okay rate. He doesn't really stretch, but he takes some threes. You know, he can make free throws. That there, there, are, there are worse players out there. He's just like a big, big old struggle of the shoulders for me. Let's see, and then we also
1: had. Okay. So I Arkan- have a list here. So, okay, but first, I, I mean Arkansas. I mean, what, what are they selling? I mean, I mean, how are, are, are they like only recruiting guys who don't don't have access to verbal commits or, uh, or like John rostin's Twitter or something because they have all right look looking at this now I mean they're gonna have a transfer be their eleventh man you know maybe Kamani Johnson maybe. Jackson Robinson, something's gonna be so. So, so yeah. the
0: newest commitment is Trey Wade, who was committed to which who went to Wichita State, really kind of well traveled. Which started his career at UTEP, then Juco, then Wichita State. Was committed to Nevada, then decommitted from Nevada. Wanted to be a little bit closer to home. He's from Marietta, Georgia. Um Decommitted from Nevada, had a bunch of high majors interested. He goes to Arkansas. He averaged seven points and six rebounds over two years at. um which is state, he gets up to explore a little bit. He's kind of short but stout, like six foot six, kind of 230, 240 bruiser. So, I mean, I, I think it's a good fit. It definitely is not the, the biggest show of confidence in Kamani Johnson in particular because so, so, so Connor Vanover was out of the rotation by the end of last year. Basically, must realize that with Connor Vanover in the game, they couldn't do the the switching, uh, the switching stuff that they do defensively. That was so good. That was like really their secret sauce down the stretch. And so, if you look at Connor Vanover's minutes as as the year went on, they like really faded. It's Connor Vanover, I'm just gonna you know, pull it so we actually have the number. Like he he was starting a lot for much of the year, but like just did, like did not play in three of the NCAA tournament games. Played four minutes against Colgate. Five minutes against LSU, eight against Missouri, six against LSU. Like, he played in some blocks against South Carolina and AM, but like, just really didn't play. So I'm, I'm pensing, like, he's just not going to play. And then I just don't think he's going to play. So they need a backup center. Otherwise, because I, because I don't think you can play Umude or Audis Tony as a five, like they play Justin Smith. So in my mind, that was Kamani Johnson. Now that Kamani Johnson, now now that Trey Wade's here, I'm gonna guess that it's uh that is Trey Wade. Play 15 minutes a game on Jalen Williams. I think that works. He could play some backup immediately at the four because their guards are pretty small. Like uh, like Note is small. Jackson Robinson, K.K. Robinson are both smaller guards. So. I currently have likes Davis, Tony, Mude, Williams with Note, Robinson, Robinson and Wade as their bench and then Vanover, Chance Moore and Kamani Johnson being there like not playing.
1: Right. I think I I think I have the same. I So so we're sure that uh, Vanover is not going to get an, a, another chance uh, regular season. I mean it's like possible NBA, but like, I don't see do, why uh... he would get
0: a better. I don't know why I don't know why you would recruit Trey Wade then. Well, it seems like most
1: must recruits and ads are just to recruit an ad, but um, I wonder if this is kind of like an NBA situation with like the regular season. You play, your, you're a big man, and then as, as you get to the playoffs, it's like, nope, you're, you you were a starter. Now you play like the first five minutes of each half, the Keith Bogans, and now you go to the bench. I wonder if he'll get another chance as the backup center. But
0: I think Wade makes a lot of sense, though, for, for Arkansas, just because he's... I think he'll be a really good small L5 for them. He'll play with energy. He's a good offensive rebounder. Like those those are the qualities. He's not the same athlete that Justin Smith is, but I think they really needed like they needed somebody who could just be like an energy and toughness on small L five. I thought Kamani Johnson honestly fit that mold really well, but I mean, must have seen him in practice for a year. So like I'm kind of hunching on the fact that one of them's not gonna play and it's not gonna be the guy that they just recruited. So uh yeah, I mean, I I have no objections to to this. I mean, Trey Wade could pick a better uh, could pick 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 a school where he might be more impactful. I think he would have been more impactful at Nevada before Brahma, but I think Brahma is a better fit for Nevada than Trey Wade. So it all really works out well for uh, for all parties involved. Anyway, um, next, oh. yes, next on the list I have is Jacob Young to Oregon. We had speculated about this. It finally came into came to fruition uh, last week. We'll finally, get to it on the show. Uh, Jacob Young, really good at Rutgers, I thought, especially this year. They were so offensively off offensively challenged at times, and Young's speed and shiftiness was really critical. He also shot the ball well from three this year. He shot thirty seven percent from beyond the, the arc. Um, he was awesome when Geo Baker went out. You know, kind of turnover prone, but a good defender. Plays really really hard. I think fits in here. He could either be the start a starter at guard or the sixth man. You know, kind of you figure that one of Williams and Jacob Young will fall out of the starting rotation and be the sixth man. And this Oregon team continues to look very very good. You know, they you, you didn't need a guy of Young's caliber for this spot. You know, theoretically you 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 know, more of like an Amori Hardy level get would have made, you know, would have been like the normal uh but this is, I mean, if you get him, you get him. And Joe Young, Jacob Young's brother, played at Oregon, was very successful. Went to the NBA briefly. Plays in China. So, I mean, I guess it fits. And so, you could do, you could do Harmon Richardson Young or Harmon Young Richardson, excuse me, or you could do, you know, Harmon Richardson Williams as your one two three. I think you couldn't go wrong either way. This officially opens the door for those small ball lineups um, with Eric Williams at the four, and it takes a little pressure off of Rivaldo Suarez who. I have no idea how good he is. I haven't watched any JUCO tape of his.
1: Yeah, Oregon's roster is looking pretty bulked up. I mean, they were they were down to the bare bones for a while, but you go out and add three starters with Harmon, Young, and Guerrier. Yeah, and then you add a you know one of the top JUCO guys to bolster your bench, and then you have three different guys who are former top fifty, two of the, two of which were five with Biddle. And Dante Biddle, you get that slender stretch big. Dante, you'll see if he can still be a beast coming off injury. And you got Kepnang going to play great down the stretch at center. And Then, you know, as you mentioned, we're we're. I mean, Kepnang. I, I was, was going to say that that we were most likely to see a lot of small ball, but you know, with those three centers, you know, maybe uh, Altman will save the small ball for NCAA tournament or late season, but... I
0: mean, the good thing that works is, like, Harmon, Richardson, and let's say Harmon, Richardson, and Williams each play 32 minutes a game, right? Like, it's, like, a reasonable estimate. If they each play 32 minutes a game, there's 24 minutes if Jacob Young ate every single minute behind them, right? For Jacob Young. And, yeah. you know, it, pe- like the math, you know, people like to, like, write out in depth chart form, where like, oh, the point guard is this guy, and the backup's this, this. But in reality, like, especially with a team, like, like this, where Harmon is a point guard, Richardson's been a point guard, Young is a point guard, right? Like, they have three point guards, and, you know, that they, they can be pretty versatile with that. And you can play Williams at the four. Like, it works out perfectly well for everyone to get their minutes and everyone to... Honestly, I think I think at this point, if neither Juzang or Chris Smith comes back to UCLA, I'd take Oregon over them. I think with Juzang, I'm... It's it's difficult for me because I really like this UCLA defense, with Miles Johnson, like they were really they were stingy, and now you're adding like one of the best defensive players in the country as an anchor. And that's gonna be really tough. But I mean, th- this Oregon team is 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 looking very legit.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say Young is a is a point guard per se, but he he can handle the ball. He can, he can play a point guard. Well, between him and and, and Harmon, Har- Harmon's certainly more of a point guard, but they got that lefty shiftiness they can pull up they can hit hit jumpers richardson also a leftiest that's that's kind of weird they have three We're lefties talk, one we, three. we
0: talked about this last year i think i think when they got a maury hardy we said like man altman has a thing for lefties eric williams is also a lefty
1: Gary is righty right yeah yeah but,
0: altman has a thing for the lefties it's a thing
1: yeah but you know o- over to ucla um People, forgetting that they were in the playing game. They're, they're, they being treated like they were like a three seed last year. But
0: I mean, look, if they, they're adding a, ten, they're adding a top ten recruit and one of the best transfers in the market, and they're returning two guys who were all conference level players in Juzang and hockey If Juzang comes back, they they be returning two all conference level players who were sophomores and showed significant improvement during the year. They were legit good in the conference throughout the season, like won a lot of games. They were just in like a league that was perceived poorly because of early non-conference struggles, which can be partially attributed to COVID. Like, no, I mean, you're right that like we shouldn't be like anointing them, but I also don't think that like, uh, I I I think, I think there's like two trains where there's like the fully out on UCLA because they weren't that good last year until the NCAA tournament and the fully in. And I would like the middle option.
1: Yeah. I, I, I've been dogging it. I have still have yet to make a top 25. Get on it. Happy and lazy. Let's go. I, I have so much <laughs> to
0: do with this it's kind of tidying up my depth charts from last year. I've been working on mine for next year. I have over 100 depth charts for 2022 right now.
1: That's great. You've got to finalize your last year's ones because, you know, there'll be things that you didn't realize. You know, there'll be things like, oh, geez, George Condit averaged three points a game. I had no idea. You know, I've, I've
0: got a few of this.
1: I would have guessed he averaged like eight, eight and two. 2. Two being blocks, but you know, stuff like that is important just, just to make sure it's all tied up and everything. But what are two next?
0: Um, stay in the Pac-12. Two transfers to Utah. Both were very much needed, Tad's and Talent. I think you can be kind of down on both ads while still being happy that they made them given where Utah was at, they had Booth Gatch back uh, with the, with the return move uh, to play for Craig Smith after playing for Larry Christovia for two years and one year with Richard Petino at Minnesota. And then they also added Dusan Mohorcich from Illinois state, who is a six foot nine um, kind of physical four, four five over 10 and seven in the Missouri Valley. Uh, so this gives Craig Smith some, some depth and some options. Currently I have both guys penciled them off the bench it wouldn't stun me if at least Mahorchich winds up beating out Riley Badden to be the four-man. Um, but, look, like, they, they needed some some depth here because you were sitting there – I was sitting there a couple days ago and wondering if L- Lazar Stefanović and Boston Holt were going to get run. And uh, that was not a good a good sign. So now you have, you know, a legit legit eight- to nine-man rotation. Mahorchich can play the four or the five. Booth Gash can play – one through 3 in different forms. Gatch is a guy, I mean, just maddening because the talent is so there. I mean, we saw it as a freshman. He was so good. And we were excited about him last year. And it was just, you know, bus city. But 6'6", can shoot it a little bit, can handle the ball, can get to the basket, you know, can pass. I mean, there is a lot there for someone to crack. And... Again, I mean, there's a major Craig Smith bump that I'll give to the point where, like, again, there's nothing about this roster that's like, oh, wow, exciting. But there might be enough now for me to just, like, slot them in at, like, 45. Be like, ah, yeah, at large. I wouldn't go at large, but,
1: you know, we we were talking earlier about, you know, you look up and down this roster, it does not look very good on paper, but, you know, that's that's the same reaction that you had in Craig Smith's first and third seasons at Utah State. You know, last year we were moaning about they didn't have enough guard play, which was true, but didn't matter too much because they still were an 11 seed. The first year, I mean, they were completely off the radar until Keita obviously broke out uh, as a freshman. And, you know, looking at this team, front court is pretty solid, right, with Batten, Carlson, and, and uh, Mohorovic. Um, Horford giving them that inside presence. Carlson, big guy, can block some shots. Moves moves pretty well, uh, and he can go small, as you mentioned. He can slide one of these guards down. But you know, they Marco Anthony as like a glue guy, big point guard. David Jenkins as a scoring guard, and Raleigh Worcester as a glue guy as well. Uh, that's not ex- it, that's not inspiring a ton of confidence in the Pac-12. Um, so I think even even with the Craig Smith bump, I'm thinking. This is like a more of an NIT sort of team.
0: I know, but I mean again, they've they've overachieved. They overachieved every season except for his one season where Kata was hurt. And even then they still were they still won the Mountain West tournament. Um he did it a completely different way at South Dakota like I'm just inclined to believe he'll figure it out. Again, the roster is worse. I agree with you. But, like, it's not so much worse that I can't get behind it. So, I'll And def- uh, Buff Josh was a, a sneaky bad player last year. Oh, yeah. That, that's
1: oh, one where, dead. if, like, you weren't paying a ton of attention to Minnesota, you probably assumed everything went well. He averaged, like, nine points a game, and everything was A-OK. But, like, he was out of rotation a little bit. Uh, he he moved out of the starting lineup. Right. He couldn't. Yeah, shot, he, was, he
0: was even statistically you're like oh yeah you know he still started a lot of games like he was in the rotation you know you ever seven points and four rebounds like just struggled to shoot the three it was the covid year yada 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 but like no he was bad like he, he was really bad but again like i'll kind of take my bets on must to or not must on craig smith to uh to give it a shot all right, next next, and final high major addition here. We have um, Greg Lee to Penn State, Western Michigan transfer. Began his career at Cal State Bakersfield, then is now using the COVID year at Penn State. Had a really nice year for Western Michigan on a really bad Western Michigan team. Um, kind of like an athletic 6'9 guy, not super physical, wants to stretch the floor more than he can, not super efficient at the basket, not a shot blocker. Yeah, like I don't see how this moves the needle, other than the fact that Penn State's front court was currently six foot six Seth Lundy, who's really not a really not like at all physical, John Hara, who is solid but you know can't play forty minutes a game, and then Giovanni Scott, a JUCO guy who's very athletic and like kind of play the four, maybe a little small ball five, but like very different. So getting Lee in helps. I will say like there's a lot of bigs out there. Like at least like functional ones. I would have really liked to see like a Stefan Mitchell there. I could have seen like i I I'd be I'd be intrigued by like a Casey Nadefo or, you know, Kevin Samuel would obviously be a guy that I would swing at. Like I and I and maybe they're not done. Like Pence has still has two scholar or three scholarships, excuse me. So maybe there's an option there, but I don't really know that Lee moves the needle. Um but kind of feels helpful out of rotation. They really only had nine total players before the uh before the signing, so Shrewsbury strikes, and there was some high major interest here from Minnesota and Illinois, as well as some mid majors like East Carolina and uh, Fordham.
1: Absolutely, you want cut out there for a little bit on, on me, so oh dear. Well, at least the uh, the recording's on uh, your end, so
0: yes. It Hopefully, it's fine. I, everyone here has it except for me. Yes, I was I was just saying that he doesn't really move the needle, but Penn State. Needed a big badly, and uh, Greg Lee d- might not suck. So, there you go.
1: Still not a, not a ton of athleticism. Still,
0: right. that's what I was saying. I, I, I thought I thought that maybe like a Stefan Mitchell or a Casey Nadefo would have been guys, or Kevin Samuel would have been guys I would have shot for. But yeah, Kevin Samuel's still out there. Where where is he? see Cisse, you know, not really a Micah Shrewsbury guy. But so the high majors, we have. Five or so mid-major names. I want to start, Brad. We called this one so hard. Desi Sills. I saw it come across my feed. And I was pumped up. Desi Sills decommits from Auburn, goes to Arkansas State. I mean, he's great for Arkansas State. He's a, he was a legit good player for Arkansas. Um, was in the rotation. Averaged over 10 points a game last year. This year, 7.5 points a game. Can shoot the three a little bit. Can get to the rim. Really tough. Like a great get, but as we discussed, I mean, the fit was okay. Auburn needs a like a like a two three who can play hard and attack the rim, and then uh, they signed Katie Johnson and uh, was like, all right, we no longer need your services, Daddy Sills. So he finds himself at a uh, Arkansas State, who I can't I can't say I think will be like a top two or three Sunbelt team. But kind of ask this continued Sunbelt emergence they do have a great young big man Norchad uh, who had an unbelievable freshman year average over 12 rebounds per game I, I had I had this stat the only two other players um, since the only two other players since 2000 to average over 12 rebounds per game as a freshman were Michael Beasley and Paul Millsap so decent company for Norchad Omier. And now he and they have a couple other guys back, in Desi Sills. They'll be uh, they'll be pretty decent. So,
1: yeah, Sills was someone who I would have liked at a Providence to, to kind of yeah. fill out. Yeah. You know, kind of that combo guard can shoot, tough, tough player role, but certainly will have a bigger role at Arkansas State. And nice. that 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 whole conference is cleaning up, and I'm glad that someone finally did did the must. You know, they sit down and I was like, look. <laughs>
0: This this situation is not what what it was when I signed up for this. Yes, no, it works. It works great. The eHab echem mean ehab is alive and well. We're gonna rebrand it the Desi Sills. Um, speaking of branding exercises, the Prince Oduro. I mean, we, we don't have to mention he hasn't committed anywhere. I don't want to rag on the kid, but we also mentioned on the podcast that I think you you were joking about Prince Oduro like needing choosing the wrong school and like never playing. Well, guess who's in the portal again? Big Prince, Sienna Legend, Prince Oduro, Sienna to Mississippi State to South Florida. He might find somewhere to go play like 15 minutes a game this time if he's really smart. He's gonna go to like, like Fordham. It'd be great. Uh, I mean, he he's the worst because right, he starts off by going too low
1: by going to Sienna. Not really though. He was a max. What were his freshman numbers?
0: To. Huh? Strong. He Some averaged nine and he, he averaged nine and five in twenty five minutes a game as a freshman, but he shot thirty three percent from the free throw line and under fifty percent from the field. Like he was a good Mac player. He was on track to be like an all conference Mac player. Okay. But he wasn't like amazing as a freshman. He wasn't like letting the world. Okay, so the, so, so he goes too
1: camp. low at first.
0: Then he goes way
1: too high at Mississippi. State, yep. Then he still goes too high at South Florida. So we'll see uh, if he can find I don't know, like a Duquesne or yeah, Fordham or or Something to just sl- slot them in where it's kind of mid-major adjacent, but you can start. There's got to be a home
0: for him. transfer number four for Big Prince. Uh, yeah, Sun Belt is cleaning up though, as you said. I'm, I'm like, I'm loving it. I think it's kind of getting like a, it's kind of getting Mountain West light. And I think part of it's that they've been able to recruit like they've been able to recruit like some SEC guys coming down. Obviously, South Alabama's had a lot of success doing that. But the SEC has become so talented, and they're using the portal so well, there's bound to be a lot of guys coming down. And these Sunbelt teams are really doing a great job with it. So that's a cool storyline. Mentioning that, we we talked about Louisiana Lafayette that last week. They're doing a great job. Uh, well, they continue that with Antoine Jones of Memphis and um, uh, Creighton. That's the one. Really took me a bit there. Um, six foot six, physical wing. Did not have a great year at Creighton. I thought maybe, you know, he would be a more bigger impact player. Um, We talked about this, I think, when he hit the portal, Brad. But, like, kind of was surprised that he wasn't better at Creighton, given the Denzel Mahoney, uh, Damian Jefferson contingent were so successful. Uh, But more than a worthy gamble at Louisiana Lafayette. Their roster, they have a 21-22 roster up, Louisiana Lafayette, and that has both Cedric Russell, their star guard from last year, Back as a fifth-year guy, and Dugay, who averaged ten and eight as their starting four-man back. So theoretically, this team has Cedric Russell, Greg Williams, Antoine Jones, Jordan Brown, and Theo Akuba as their five, with Jalen Dollcourt over nine a game in San Jose, and Dugay over ten a game last season as your six and your seven, which is again very, 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 very good. So, I mean. Talk about the size, right? Like
1: Jones at the three, then Jordan Brown maybe playing some four, returning the center at the five. And yeah, J- Jones, I-, I was buying a lot of Antoine J- Jones stock coming into the season. Obviously, that really flamed out. I thought he was more of a guard than a wing. Um, and I had watched him play a couple times at, at Memphis as well, but I was certainly off on that one. Um, his his confidence seemed seemed to wane, he, you know, coming off the bench only playing a handful of minutes every game, trying to force up a shot or two to get involved. Uh, I think he's going to have a pretty significant bounce back at, at Lafayette, and I'm sure um, he, he can claim runoff and Creighton Cre- Cre- won't care, as they added and yet another top 75 recruit uh, to get their best
0: recruiting class of all time to get a scoring guard in Trey Alexander. Yes. Quickly on that, Creighton has now the four, their their four highest rated recruits of all time that they've signed have all been this 21 class. And then their number five is Rati Andronikashvili. Which is like kind of insane. So long-term talents are in there, Creighton might take a little while. But yeah, between, between runoff at Creighton and uh, the Greg McDermott, not so nice uh, words uh, that he said in that uh, fateful locker room soundbite. I think Antoine Jones will get his waiver.
1: It um, wasn't really fateful because he turned around and signed the best recruiting class. No. I mean, that—that's the most stunning thing, right? And they, they more, signed more than, and more than Brad Stevens becoming a, a GM. More than Brad Stevens becoming a GM or anything. I mean, he just turns around, loses a couple of assistants, loses the whole starting five. Okay, well, we'll add five top one hundred recruits. Like, who knows how this lineup's going to shake out, or if they'll be any good this year?
0: But uh, long term is positive, I guess. Yeah. All right, quick couple of quick, quick uh, mid-major hitters before we head to some draft decisions. Um, Jalen Bucks to Western Kentucky. Very nice addition talent-wise. I know he has a reputation for being a bit of a bit of a challenge to deal with off the court, but uh, a guy who averaged 10 points and six rebounds at DePaul was efficient, started a lot of games uh, for the Blue Demons, and uh, gives Western Kentucky... A little bit more proven uh, depth up front, where Jamarian Sharp would have been penciled in as the center. Otherwise, Jamarian Sharp, very very raw. I talked to a couple people who, you know, were around around his recruitment, familiar with JUCO basketball, and like amazing upside, amazing shot blocker. Like I want to see how many shots he blocked a game in JUCO. I think he blocked like six shots a game or something crazy like that. But. um also averaged like seven points a game, which is not enough. So yeah. In twenty-two games, he blocked 140 shots. Which is just laughable. But now he can come off the bench and Butts can start at the five. So you now have this Washington Kentucky. Western Kentucky and Oregon always love to strike late. What? So they they've added Jarius Hamilton and Jalen Butts to be starting front court two proven high major guys. You have Zion Harmon coming in, the top recruit. You have Davion McKnight coming back. You have Josh Anderson coming back officially. He announced that fifth-year guy. Um Crazy to see his fifth year next year. Remember vividly the the saga to get him on the court as a freshman, uh, and then Luke Luke Frampton off the bench, Jamarian Sharp off the bench, and then kind of fill out fill, still filling out the bench. But uh, a nice addition for Rick Stansberry.
1: Right, so they got two additional returners off the bench right with Jerk Tom and Cozart who haven't been playing much. We'll see if they can break through. They got a freshman Elijah Huey. Again, don't don't know much about him, but uh, maybe add one. Either guard or wing off the bench, and you have a real, real nice top eight. You'll, you'll be the most talented team in Conference USA again, and we'll see if uh, history repeats itself or, or they can finally break through.
0: Yeah, it is. I'm crazy. always a I mean, sucker
1: for Western Kentucky. Too. I, they're
0: not. They're They're going to lose in the conference tournament like they always do. But I mean, I, I was watching on UAB the other day. UAB will have theoretically it in off the bench three of. Tyreek Locure, Jamal Johnson, Taven Lovan, KJ Buffin, Michael Ortel, Quan Jackson, and Justin Brown. Three of those guys have to come off the bench. They're going to be really deep and really good. So I'm excited uh, about the. Wait, hold on, stories. let's.
1: Why don't we frame that the the other way? Because I was very confused. Sorry. So yes. Your starting lineup is what? Locure, Johnson, Buffin, Brown, and Jemison.
0: So I have it as jo- Look here, Johnson, LoVan, Buffin, Jamison, with Ertel, Jackson, and Brown off the bench. So oh, like a oh, is depth. Ertel back? Ertel and Quan Jackson are officially back. They announced it. Wow. They're very deep. Yes, they are. So. I have to add that. that See, has-
1: I, I update my new additions, right? Guy, guys who are leaving or guys who are coming every day before I go to bed. I screenshot when I see it on Twitter. I update it every day, and I've missed more stuff this year. I missed the Riley Batten one. Feels yeah. like every day, it's like, oh wait, this guy's back with his free year.
0: You have to really be digging when you're doing the uh, doing the depth charts. It's crazy, but yeah, they're they're in good shape. Conference Tuesday will be fun. Uh, one other conference, USA, actually, um, and then one other transfer before we move on. Um, Hamir Wright to Northern or North Texas. Hamir Wright from Washington, kind of an interesting player, um, was used like a 4-5 in that zone. Out of high school, was known as like a like a point forward, who could really create, was a really highly rated recruit, was looking at Syracuse at Michigan State, was really the first significant signing for Mike Hopkins and didn't quite work out. Um, Again, was fine like statistically and made an impact defensively, but really shot them out of games at times. Thinks far too much of himself as a scorer and shooter, um, which is why I really like the North Texas fit because that staff will whip him into shape. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, he'll be a versatile front court piece for them. They're they're pretty reliant on the JUCO kid they have coming in, Tyler Perry. Uh, no, not that Tyler Perry. Um, but they need him to step up and replace uh, JV on Hamlet, but he's one of the highest rated Jukko guys in the country, and I don't like betting against Graham Castle. So. And, you're right,
1: you right should play the five, right? He's playing some fours, floating too much, shooting too many threes. He's a good athlete game at the five, especially at Conference USA level. Let him work. Yes. Again, Con- Conference USA has a bunch of teams doing doing well, making additions. Now we got the Sun Belt on that same trajectory with Lafayette and South Alabama. You know, Texas State had a good year last year. Georgia, Georgia Southern hits the portal hard. So, so I'm glad that we're getting more and more teams that are starting to figure it out. But then, as as all the teams figure it out, then then no one's figured it out, right? Then uh, you've you've lost your advantage by hitting the portal so hard. That'll be interesting to see when that switch takes place like when it, when every team in your conference as a mid-major has like two or three guys from a high major league then it's like what's the next
0: uh, next area to be exploited go back to recruiting high school players
1: yeah <laughs> yeah the guys because the, the, the high major teams stop stop recruiting high school players South Alabama will be pulling like top top 75 recruits but um, speaking of maybe missing guys have I missed anyone? Did uh, Minnesota get a point guard yet?
0: I don't think they've gotten anyone. I think right now they're they're, they're still planning on Luke Lowy as their point guard, which is a, a dangerous sight. <laughs> All right, last, last mid-major I have to get to transfer. Um, Andrew Garcia. This one, like, way under my radio- radar. Kent State. Yeah, great get. Rob Senderoff does a great job in the portal. But, you know, he averaged 9-4 nine, nine at Georgia. Really productive at Stony Brook as well. Um, I believe Danny Pippen is gone. He was awesome in this past year. Average 19-9. and nine, uh, As is Mike Nugo, off to UNLV. But they do have Malik Jacobs back in the backcourt. They add Sincere Carey, who is excellent at Duquesne. They add um, DeVale Johnson uh, from URI, who I I always liked DeVale Johnson quite a bit. And Garcia and him kind of, Fit very well together because Garcia is that you know undersized physical, uh, and, and Johnson is that long lanky shooter, so that works well. And they also added uh, Akeem Oducipe from uh, Vanderbilt. So nice work from Rob Senderoff, who has long been a, a strong portaler.
1: We got Andrew Garcia with a little Gino Ford bowl, right? He's been to Stony oh, Brook and he's been
0: State. Strong one, I love it. Now, next up, Bradley. I don't think you're getting another COVID year unless we have another uh, pandemic. Hopefully. That would would be devastating. That would be horrible. All right.
1: Coach K wouldn't get a full retirement tour. Yes, that that is the major major All the fans.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Draft slash fifth-year decisions. Had a few of them this past week. First off, I just wanted to say there's been a lot of takes about the... Like early entry list being three hundred fifty names. Like, there's only there's three hundred fifty names on this, and only 60, 50, sixty draft spots. These kids are are all dumb, and it was it is maybe the dumbest take on the internet. Yes, kids over enter the draft. Yes, we know this, but also guys can pull out. And this list this year includes all the seniors because you had to enter because of college letting everyone have a fifth year. That is like such a non-story. Well, it's
1: not a non-story. It's a. It's fake news, right? Before, if you're a senior, you're automatically in the NBA draft. You are not, um, you're not on the early entry list because you're automatically in the draft. It's not an early entry. It's your entry. This year, be, and Woj tweeted about this when it, when it when it was made a rule. The NBA said instead of seniors being automatically in, seniors have to declare themselves in. So really, there's fewer NBA draft people than there's ever been.
0: Parts because there's less kids just like randomly putting their name in, I think, which is good. But we will get to some of the names that are with the Combine coming up and the G League League camp. Some of the names that got invited that will be kind of swing college guys. Um, But a few official announcements. We had Taz Sherman officially back at West Virginia. I kind of figured this is where he was leaning, so not necessarily surprised. Very important to West Virginia's stealing um, to keep him. I would expect Sean McNeil will do the same. Again, The real question is Deuce McBride, who did get a combine invite. I remain very skeptical that Deuce McBride is coming back to college, but he hasn't closed the door. And if he's back, I mean, he's top 10, 15 player in the country. You'd be adding him to McNeil, Sherman, Jalen Bridges, who's good. Polycap slash Osa slash Kerrigan as your five man. Malik and as a grad transfer, six man off the bench. That'd be something, but... Without him, they're they're a little bit weaker, but Curry can manage the point. Uh, some maybe upside with Kedrian Johnson. We've talked in the past about the year two JUCO guys stepping up, so maybe there's something there, but uh, Taz Sherman gives them a much-needed uh, confirmation that he will be back in Morgantown in 2021. Yeah, I mean, Sean
1: McNeil and Taz Sherman were both that year two JUCO jump this past year. Yeah, I I, I think Mick Mc, is probably gone, but uh, how how would you describe Malik Curry's game? Do you, do you know much about the former old Dominion product?
0: I I, I remember him being kinda kinda bulldoggy, like uh like your traditional old Dominion guy. Definitely more scorer um, than true facilitator. These old Dominion teams haven't been quite as good. I mean, this year they were better, but they were really not good last year. Or uh yeah, in 2019-20. Uh, but no, he he can really get to the rim. He plays hard. He's a good defender. Like I think will really fit like the hug hugs mold of like competitive, you know, aggressive point of attack defenders. But not a great shooter and uh not like a necessarily a true point guard. And the assist to turnover ratio that from last year will show. So I think and best then, suited would be six man. But again, if he has to be
1: the porn guard, it's not the end of the world. And then in, in that front court, I mean I I guess it's probably gonna be okay in the front court, but from the start of last, last year when you had Derek Culver and Oscar Shebway to now having Poly Polycat year six, right? Coming off a decent year at DePaul, the much-traveled Diamond Kerrigan. At one point, everyone thought that they were going to get Diamond Kerrigan as a recruit, shot-blocking uh, B.A.B.C. Big Man. Yeah, um,
0: slightly less traveled than Valdier Emanuel, but still.
1: I think Kerrigan had more, like, teams thought that they were going to get a commitment from... from or, or at least fan bases thought that they were going to get a commitment. Yes, but no, like, crystal ball activity, but he never had, like... Right, because he he was one of those guys. He he must have not not have been academically eligible, and that's why he went to to a JUCO. But you know you, you would check the best guys available, and he was always on there. So like everyone thought they were going to get him. But um, yeah, so he he's a shot blocker. Polycap's like a more undersized physical guy. Cottrell coming off the injury, um, they they can go small. To Osa Boyan, but he he doesn't give you any offense either. So. Uh, it's going to be a stark contrast from the, from the front courts
0: of of the past few years for the Mountaineers. All right, next one: uh, RJ Nemhard, TCU officially gone. Uh, I was definitely expecting Samuel. I wasn't 100 percent on Nemhard. Um, they have they have guards; they'll be okay. He's a good player. Um, another guy, turnover prone, but you know, really, really a solid point guard. And all of a sudden now TCU's roster makes a lot more sense because like they pretty much have Ba Miles Wells and Farabello. Ba Miles Wells, Farabello, and Evans as your guards, and then maybe like Cash McNeil as your lottery ticket. You have PV as your kind of wing PV and O'Bannon as your you know three fours and then Emmanuel Miller. As your five with Cork and Doombia as backups. So it all uh it all works out more like better for the roster. I like Ball Miles Wells P V Miller as a starting five, where you get like the defense from, from Ball, P V and then the offense from Miller and Wells, and then Miller kind of an all around guy. Um I've seen a lot of people being more like in the Farabello camp. I'm not a huge Farabello guy, so
1: he had COVID,
0: right? Like like serious. Parabella? Serious
1: season COVID? Yeah. I think so. I didn't watch much TCU. Yeah, I, I don't see how this team is going to be very good. I I think that they might come in last. Ooh. A couple weeks ago, we went through the shooting numbers on these guys. Over
0: Iowa State? I, I'm not totally out on Iowa State. But Dixon over Otts, Miles is better than any player on Iowa State. Emmanuel well, I, Miller's I mean, than any player in Iowa State. Hold on, because Tyrese Hunter, you know, top forty recruit. I mean, Mike Miles averaged fourteen a game as a freshman. Mike Miles did what any top forty recruit hopes to do.
1: Okay, you have a great defensive group there with Kalsher, Brockington, Enaruna, and Condit. If, if if they can get enough offense, a guy like Enaruna now now that he's free from playing eight. Eight minutes a game at Kansas, you know he can kind of spread his wings a little bit. I think I think Iowa State has more upside than a TCU with a bounce I, I, back from, from Kalscher. I like Brockington's game as an athletic slasher who who, who can who can shoot better than, than the numbers indicate. I'm buying the Condit bounce back as as the starting center now that Solomon Young's gone.
0: I, I can't I can't join you
1: in this uh this this. this I don't play. think Iowa State's a tournament team by any means. I think oh. I'll probably have them
0: eighth, m- maybe Kansas State ninth. But I uh, I think TCU's better than Iowa State. I think they're probably better than K State too. But maybe I'm maybe I'm a bit too bullish on Hadi Wells and uh, Manu Miller. But I mean this well, just... we'll, we'll see Mike Miles at a U nineteen. Yes. maybe we'll get some he, he's he's TCU prop bet action for next year. Eighth in the Big Twelve prop bet. The listeners will love it. All right, uh, quick one: Jamari Bouye officially back at San, San Francisco. I think I said on the podcast at one point when we were talking about WCC transfer ads that uh, Bouye was probably back. He's officially back now. They've got a good group with uh, him, Khalil Shabazz, Gabe Stefanini, um, and then lots of like long shooters and Kunin, Meeks, Ryuni, uh as like threes and fours. Tepay starting at the five; he'll be very good for them. They have Rishwayne. Like there's something here. I, I don't I don't know that it's like at largey. I know that they think it's gonna be at largey. I'm a bit skeptical of that, but like I, I think it's definitely better. I think it's better than the Loyal Marymount group, though a lot of people are hyped hyped about. I think it's better than Pepperdine. I think it's better than Say Mary's on paper. Um I mean I, I could see them being the third best team in the conference. They were really hampered this past year by not center, and Tepa will help. And so, Bouye B-A back is big. He's he's really good. He he balled out in that game against Virginia that everyone remembers. I
1: remember being at work for that. Oh, and I was excited as is that as black the uh, Virginia hater.
0: Working Brack Brack Friday brutal.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, very brutal. Yeah, give it to do that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not sold on San San Francisco as an at large team. I mean, no.
0: we have so many. High major potential at large teams. Yeah. And I wait. I think. Way, I, think, way too I, think many. I think even like looking at again, there's value in playing BYU and Gonzaga, but like I think like when you look at like the like the Sun like the Louisiana Lafayette's and the you know the UABs, like I think those those are a little bit above. But I think Stanford's gonna be like top 75 though. So yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, Jt Thor is officially officially gone from Auburn. We mentioned that he was on the Goodman list and we're kind of confused by it. So. He is officially gone. Apparently, he's getting a ton of buzz at his workouts. Per a three-on-three three game, or I guess he shot the lights out. <laughs> yeah, apparently he's showing off some shot creation ability, which is like, eh, nice story, buddy. But we'll see. I mean, I I, I buy the upside of an NBA player, but yeah, me too. It, it, I think it's a it's a journey. Uh, quickly, quickly, uh, Keyshawn Bryant and Jermaine Cousinard are officially back in South Carolina. There's a big old shrug for me. I don't think South Carolina's very good. I don't really get what um, Frank Martin's doing. This was something that uh, I was listening to the uh, the Weave podcast. Their their take on South Carolina. I forget which of the guys mentioned it. Uh, mentioned it. Did you know that South Carolina was third in the country in tempo this year? That is wild. I had no idea, but they played small, right?
1: They had the two ball handlers with. Kuziard and Lawson, then they had two athletic wings with Manaya and Bryant, and then a smaller center. You know, bait they, they weren't trodden out Mike Coatsar and uh, Chris Silva banging
0: banging the block. Right. It is I I don't I don't understand when you play the style that South Carolina does, like foul, 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 foul. foul. Like like, when you foul as much as they do, to play fast is so dumb. Because, A, more possessions means more opportunities for you guys to get in foul travel. And B, it means, like, the score gets run up with free throws, which you don't want. But, man, they, yeah, they they, they played really fast. They're, like, a weird team. They were really bad down the stretch. They were coveted like, crazy. So I don't blame them, but, like, they were bad. So getting Bryant back and Cousinard back is helpful. Seventh Woods is in the portal, which leaves them with some point guard questions. Right now I have the pencil. And it's like Cousinard, James Reese, Keyshawn Bryant, A.J. Wilson, Will- Willens Levick, with uh, Devin Carter, Eric Stevenson, Chico Carter, and Alonzo Frink off the bench. So let's
1: let's kind of take a second and, and, and break down some of these guys, right? You have Cousinard as a scoring guard. Bryant doesn't shoot it. But he's athletic. He's he's lanky, but he can play three and four. Frank, big body, has shown some more offense and some more ball skills at the FIBA level than he has at South Carolina. I'm not not selling my Frank stock. Yeah, Levesque is a big body, rebounding center, moves okay. What's A.J. Wilson? What's the A.J. Wilson elevator pitch?
0: A.J. Wilson is a run-and-jump 4-slash-5 who shoots it a tiny bit and really blocks shots. Like, that's his selling point. He's, he's got, like, Tarek Owens in him, but he's not as good as Tarek Owens. Eric
1: Stevenson will get hot one day. He's a shooter who can't shoot.
0: I will sell, sell any—Eric I, I, Stevenson's stock has been long sold in this household—
1: um, I mean, he's going to be a 60-year senior shooting like 49% from three for going to be great. Lipscomb, and everyone's going to be like, well, "Who? The, oh, wait, what? That's that's Eric Stevenson from Wichita about, State in Washington, South Carolina."
0: How about the travels, right? Wichita to Wash to Seattle to to South Carolina. Really, really touching the touching the country.
1: Eric Stevenson famously called me an idiot for saying he was going to come off the bench as a freshman at, at Wichita State.
0: And he only started 11 games, so good for you, Brad.
1: I, I, I certainly patted myself on the back. Um, and then, r- rounding out these additions, right? James Reese is like a decently-sized
0: scoring wing. Can shoot it, right? It was good for North Texas. Um, definitely like a volume shooter from three. Uh, good defender. Good size. Amazing hair. Not much more to come. Former Buffalo legend James Reese, we have he was Ford. on he was on the really good Oats team that blew out Arizona. They, he was like their tenth man. Now he's going to start for South Carolina.
1: We yeah. have Ford Cooper, who is Missouri State legend, very highly ranked recruit for for Missouri State. I think he was in like the one seventy ish. Uh, like a pass-first point guard, never found his way. I think he's te- technically a walk-on at South Carolina. Uh, Devin Carter's top 150 two guard. I think he's a shooter. Um, and then last but not least, well, uh, they they have a
0: couple of like six-five bruising power forwards with Carlos Williams and Taquan Woodley. I think I think Williams is jucoing or prepping. You- he has some academic issues.
1: That makes more sense because I had too many guys in this roster. Um, And then lastly, do do you have the elevator pitch on Chico Carter?
0: Yes. Uh, Six-man, microwave, shooter, undersized, combo guard, archetype. Really shot it at at Emory. Can get downhill a little bit. Like, really, like, a good scorer, just not a point guard. He's He's the mold that, like, again, like, dime a dozen at the high major level.
1: And this team needs three-point shooting desperately.
0: Yes, that does help. That does help. They
1: definitely needed that. Because so. they were they were like comically low last year in Ken Palm, I think in three-point shooting.
0: Uh, I have it in front of me. Let's see. They were 304th in three-point shooting. They were 290. How about this? They were 298th in effective field goal percentage offense and 299th in effective field goal percentage defense. That is um quite quite bad. they were also 265th in an offensive free throw rate and. 314th in defensive free throw rate that's like so horrible like it's unimaginably bad so i'm i'm very out on frank martin at this point i'm very out on this whole south carolina thing i think the like weird they've had some like weirdly good sec runs two years the the last two years before this past one i think i think the wheels are officially off um so yeah that's south carolina um Wanted to hit on some invitees to the two camps. I can't list them all because they're not all public yet, at least at the time of recording, uh, for G-League Elite camp and NBA Combine invites. Um, these are always important because they give you a sense of where the NBA draft people are thinking you are, and they give you a sense of who's going to probably return then because of that. Um, but some noteworthy ones. First for the G-League Elite camp uh, I, I have five written down that I think are noteworthy that are free, are, are college guys. Musa Cisse, currently in the portal, well, like He definitely needs another year of college, but upside is tremendous uh, if he can ever learn to make a free throw. Um, had some bright moments at Memphis, for sure, started every game. Uh, he got a G League invite, which you were surprised by, Brad. Uh, instead, You thought he would get a combine. Then Devontae Jones from Coastal Carolina, who's committed to Michigan. Michigan can't afford for him to leave. I don't think he will. I think he's going to go to college because I don't see why he wouldn't, but... Who knows? Maybe he balls out at the G G League camp and uh, someone gives him, like, a. Someone's like, oh, you should come and be our second round pick. Then there's EJ Onu, who's the NAIA All American that is getting a lot of hype as a potential transfer. Uh, He's in the portal right now. I've been told to expect he'll go to the NBA. Like, he has legit buzz. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get a combine invite, to be honest. Um, He's 6'11 with a 7'6 wingspan and gets you threes. That doesn't grow on trees. Uh, and then two Ohio State guys, E.J. Liddell and Dwayne Washington, widely expected to be back, but, again, uh, good enough where, you know, they'd definitely be in, be, like, in two-way-ish position if they wanted to go, uh, but more to prove at Ohio State, I think, guys. I'd be a little bit surprised. And I, I
1: was shocked that uh, Darius Days is a G League only. I mean, he he is what everyone wants. He can shoot. He's this sturdy undersized power forward that'll play some small ball five he's strong he and rebound um that 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 seems like a miss to me i think he'll play play in
0: the nba next year wow so i i don't know if i'd go that far but i like Darius days all right nba combine invitees of note uh julian Champigny, massive decision for st john's like would be just backbreaking for them because they're not a tournament team without him. And this is year three with a veteran roster with good talent. Like, they need him back. One of the best scorers in the Big East. He needs to come back for St. John's. But his brother's already staying in the draft. He's now got a combine invite. Like, he can really shoot. I mean, that would be a, a crusher. Nearly 20 points per game this past season. Also, Terrence Shannon getting a combine invite. Now, this is an interesting one. I had been thinking he was gone... Because, you know, with the coaching change and he's got some buzz as a draft prospect, you know, he's productive, whatever. I noticed he was kind of leaning gone. But then he tweeted today, actually, about the official announcement about Gonzaga and Texas Tech playing, about how like, excited he was. Like he, he tweeted like a like a exclamation point I emoji thing. So maybe uh, maybe Mr. Shannon is a uh, is coming back to Texas Tech, which would be huge because. With Shannon, they have a chance to be very good, especially if they get Bryson Williams, who is officially visiting them right now. Um, Then Deuce McBride got a combine invite. McCure Maker got a combine invite. You mentioned McBride earlier as a very important guy. We don't have to talk about him more. McCure Maker, literally, I think, just like an NBA GM curiosity thing because I just haven't been able to watch him. And then here was an interesting one. And the reporting on this is a little suspect, so I'm not like 100,000% sure whether it's G League or combine, but it seemed like combine. Uh, Dawson Garcia... For Marquette, this is a critical decision. I mean, obviously, he'll, he'll be one of the better players in the Big East if he comes back. Uh, a local news reporter said he's going to be at the Combine next week, or later this month in Chicago. Uh, so, if he is... If he's at the Combine, that'll be a very interesting name to watch.
1: Yeah, both Garcia and Chimpenny; those are two huge decisions for the Big East. Obviously, Terrence Shannon for Texas Tech, if, if he's back, I think Texas Tech's a tournament team. Uh, but he he's, he's going to get drafted. So I, I wouldn't hold your breath there. But Texas
0: Tech with, like, Texas Tech with Warren, Calhoun, McCuller, Shannon, Santos, Silva, Bryson Williams, Miley Wilson, Adonis Arms, Agbo, Bacho, Naldoni Like, that's good, man. Like, that, that that's like a top 25-ish roster if they could get Bryson Williams and Terrence Shannon back. I don't know how good the odds are then, that, but if they are... A thing,
1: they could be very very good. So if uh, Texas Tech gets Bryson Williams, I think Daniel Bacho has to do a, you uh, have a mean and say okay. you know Baccio,
0: what, Bacho could play the four. Then uh, you either need that or you need, you need like Agbo to hit the portal or KJ Allen. I think Bacho could come back because he's like very different from what they have. But, like KJ Allen needs to deuce out of there.
1: Yeah, but they, they. They clearly want the the Agbos of the world and the McCullers, and you know they oh, want yeah. to play
0: three of those guys at once, oh, yeah. three of these like just tough athletic rehearsal guys. So those are the draft decisions to watch. We will have more of those as the Combines happen. I think the G League Combine starts in like a week and a half. I know the uh, Tampa Bay Pro Combine, which was run by Fran Fraschilla and some other guys who've done a great job, there's also like a Myrtle Beach combine kind of helping fill the missing uh, Portsmouth gap. Uh, that is very good. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we get more stuff like that, and more reports out of there. Like Terry Taylor was impressive. It was very random. I watched I watched a highlight clip of Sterling Manley hitting like step-in turnaround faders from like 18 feet, and I was like, where was this? This is insane. Um, but yeah, that was fun uh FIBA quickly Brad um some updates here we got the official roster um we've mentioned most of the names but I'll run them off quickly Devin Askew Patrick Baldwin Jr. Kendall Brown Kennedy Chandler Jonathan Davis Derek Fountain Caleb First Jordan Hall Chet Holmgren Harrison Ingram Jaden Ivey Deshaun Jackson Michi Johnson Ryan Kalkbrenner Trey Kaufman Zed Key Kenneth Lofton Langston Love Mike Miles Adam Miller Trey Patterson, Hunter Salas, Davion Smith, Daylon Terry, Jabari Walker, Peyton Watson, Jalen Williams. That is the 27-man camp team for USA Basketball. They will send 10 of those to uh, somewhere in Europe, I believe, this summer to play Phoebe U-19. Did you make your picks? I have not yet. I'm, I've am i been slacking. All right. So I guess I'll give mine.
1: So we know that the, that the two locks, right, are, are Mike Miles and Harrison Ingram. Mike Miles, obviously, TCU point guard. Jamie Dixon is the coach of the team. Uh, his assistant is Jared Haas from Stanford. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that Miles and Ingram will, will be there. Um, and then I think for the, to- the top recruits, I think Kennedy Chandler will be the other point guard. I think Pat Baldwin gives him some wing shooting as a top five recruit. I think Peyton Watson uh come off the bench. Play a couple different positions. I think Kendall Brown from Baylor, versatile, multi-positional, can handle the ball, can defend. I think he'll fill that role. Um, obviously, Chet Holmgren as the you know super elite, super versatile, super weird center. I think Holmgren's going to start. And then you get to the college returners, which it seems like there's more in the mix this year than in past years. Uh, But I think Jaden Ivey for Purdue, who's a huge breakout candidate, uh, I think he'll probably join Mike Miles in the starting backcourt. Jalen Williams from Arkansas, he's big, he's athletic, gives him some more size and bulk, right? Uh, Jabari Walker from Colorado, versatile, can can shoot the ball, really defends. I think maybe a Jabari Walker, Chet Holmgren starting 4-5 with a Baldwin of the three there. Um, and then, given that they have a couple of these kind of undersized, bulky four men, I think the best one of these guys is Zed Key. So I think Zed, Zed Key will essentially be the third center. Um, and then for that last spot, it was tough between Hunter Salas and Adam Miller. I I went with the veteran Adam Miller, but I I think maybe Salas uh, gets that spot for him.
0: I, I have a scorching hot take. Go for it. Jamie Dixon brings Kenneth Lofton and treats him like Dewan Blair.
1: <laughs> that could, I mean that explains why there's Zed Key Kenneth Lofton. Yes. And then I I'm not I'm not familiar with these Purdue guys, but Caleb First and Trey Kaufman are are they kind of bulky power forwards too?
0: Yes. I believe so, especially uh Especially, um, what's what's his name? Uh, Kaufman, I think, is very bold, But I'm ju- I'm just I'm just gonna say Kenneth Lofton is six seven two seventy five, and Dewan Blair was listed in college at six seven two sixty five, and Jamie Dixon en- enjoyed Dewan Blair a lot. So, make it happen, Jamie. It would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I yeah. want my big man. Kenneth Lofton averaged twenty and nine in the NIT against Ole Miss, Western Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Colorado State. He's a dog. Feed him. This is a Kenneth Lofton podcast right here. All right. A few other rosters are like published or they have like fringe, like 50 50, not fully full filled rosters, but like partially filled rosters. Um, first off, Australia has its full team. Uh, not everyone's a college guy. Um, one who is that is like a, a name to watch would be Blake Jones. It's going to George Mason, a late signee. There. Uh one of George Mason assistant, I think Nate Tomlinson has some Australia ties and brought him in. He's apparently like pretty highly regarded. Uh, so that should be interesting. Uh, excited to see what he can do. Uh, they also have Teron Armstrong, who's going to Cal Baptist next year. He should be pretty good. Um there R- Renee Smith, uh he's going to play at College Charleston. He's another Another guy for for this Australia team. About half the Australia team's college basketball. There's another guy. I think his name is David Aquera, uh, who played. He he was it. Uh, he he has a bunch of high major offers. Like Oklahoma State and Arkansas all offered him, but then I guess he hasn't gone anywhere. So I don't know what's what's happening to him. But he'll be an interesting name to track. Uh, and then there's another guy, the Gack, who was going to be at. Uh, I think he was at Blair Academy, and then turned yes. pro in Australia. So, some interesting names there uh, on the brother Australia is Dengak from Miami, I believe. Oh, good, good one. I didn't know that. Um, I have a France preliminary roster. Um, there's just I believe Diabate is like fring- on the fringes of whether he wants to go play or not. So that would be big. Moussa Diabate going off awesome. to yes. So, but a few names that are very noteworthy would be. Uh, Daniel Bacho, we mentioned before, Texas Tech, transfers from Arizona. He's an interesting player. Um, Ivan Uidrago, Nebraska, headed to Grand Canyon. Uh, so that's a name worth watching as well. Uh, another name that has like some NBA potential is Victor Wembayana. He is in the mix here. Uh, I don't know if he will wind up playing. A lot of the like NBA caliber guys don't want to play, but maybe because there's been a lack of, um, a lack of opportunities, you'll see it. Also, some some fresh some signees. I don't have all of them listed because I haven't gone through them. But uh, Luis Lesmond, who's going to Harvard, I believe. From he played high school ball in Illinois. He's like an interesting player. He's playing. He's on the French like 24-man roster. Uh, Keza Giffa, who's going to UTEP, and uh, Maxime Akono, who's going to Bradley. So uh, some names there on the French side. Uh, I'm excited to see those. Uh, the Tubelis twins are playing for Lithuania. That's good. There you go. Uh, and a uh, Tibet Gorner, who was at Arizona, so I'm going to San Jose say, he playing for Turkey. So I'll go through all the rosters and create like, a D1 list at some point. But those are some names that are, are out there. Canada, I mentioned, is going to have uh, Caleb Houston and Ben Mather in last week. Um, don't have a full, full roster. Um, but that team will be coached by a legend New Mexico head coach, uh, Paul Weir. So there you go. Anything else? that nah, I, I, I need a break. It was, it was a grinder. I had to, that, had to get all those names. That was like a mid-season one. I know. That was a good podcast. Lot, lots of stuff to get to. Coach K, NBA transfers, draft. We're, we're keeping you updated, folks. You will not, you will not leave listening to this podcast without knowing more. You might be bored, if you don't follow the stuff as in the weeds as we do. But uh, that's a great endorsement for a podcast. You might be bored but you'll enjoy it. So, uh, We appreciate you all listening. As always, uh, again, be on the lookout for some cool stuff, hopefully, in the coming weeks, coaches and such. That'll be fun. Um, anything from you, Brad, before we, uh, before we wrap up? Oh, here, here's a good one. What is the most ridiculous thing you will see on the Coach K retirement tour?
1: What is the most ridiculous thing we'll see? I yeah. feel like Josh Pastor is going to do something ridiculous. Oh, yeah.
0: That's a good one.
1: Give him, like, a face mask. And, like, he'll have, like, a big grin on his face or something. Yeah. Yes. Either him or, or, like, Boeheim saying saying something uh, off the cuff and uh, ridiculous. I
0: I need him to be going to Syracuse next year. Like, I need that game to happen. The carrier dome will be electric. Kay will probably be mad the entire time. Beheim will say some weird weird stuff about how he's coaching until he's 85. And, like, he's soft, like Kay is soft for retiring. It's going to be going to be terrific.
1: I think you stumbled on our podcast slogan, too, which is you might be bored, but we're not.
0: (laughs) It's a really ringing endorsement for a podcast. Two guys who like to talk. Feel free to listen. (laughs) I think that's every podcast, though.
1: That is? Absolutely.
0: (laughs) It's going to be awesome. All right, we will uh, will see you all next week with another episode, because that's what we do. We pump out entertaining content for you.